0: Born in retail, razor.
1: No, maybe too much. Actually, we might we might use that at the uh, in the intro, please, beginning. That was pretty don't. good. <laughs> it's like
0: it's that was pretty good. I want to go to a crypto conference and start doing that. <laughs> now, now that
1: would be fun to see.
0: <laughs> too early? Maybe. Okay, we'll just start now.
1: Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah.
0: You're listening to The Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and their guests cut through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail.
1: Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of The Retail Razor Show. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar.
2: And I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. Welcome Retail Razor Show listeners to Retail's favorite podcast for product junkies, commerce technologists, and everyone else in retail and retail tech alike.
1: And we have a truly special treat this week. Following up from our season debut episode on the Metaverse, we're back to talk more Metaverse this
2: week, aren't we? Yes, and I'm excited. Our listeners and viewers should be excited because this week we're not only talking Metaverse, but we're continuing our Retail transformer series with special guests, Alan Smithston, founder and CEO of the company Metaverse.
1: Yes, our faithful followers will learn exactly why Alan is more than meets the eye.
2: Now you're going to use that word every time for these series, aren't you?
1: Absolutely. 100%. I am totally here for that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about Alan. There are few people in the early days of the metaverse that can talk in depth about what retailers need to look at when building their metaverse strategy.
1: Yeah, when we first talked to Alan, you know, when he first came to one of our clubhouse rooms, I was really impressed. And just like you said, he's got the knowledge about the metaverse. We'll also hear about his solution, the mall that he's building that will really change how retailers look at the metaverse. And listeners or viewers are going to come away with a really smart plan on, on how to attack the metaverse and get experimenting right away, just like we predicted back in season one, episode four.
2: And experimenting and experimenting Trying things out is a matter of showing up and learning how to experiment. Alan hits on all of these topics and more. Honestly, each episode this season has been incredibly informative, but our guest energy is solid, true innovators. I don't know how we keep doing this from one episode to another, but keep those notepads handy. You'll need it.
1: That's right. I mean, we could go on and on about all the juicy details Alan will talk about, but I think I can sum it up by saying, if you were going to write a 100-page encyclopedia of the metaverse, Alan would be on page one all the way through page 100, and you'd probably be asking for more pages after that.
2: (laughs) Agree. So let's get to it then. Our interview with Alan Smithson, co-founder of (laughs) Metaverse.
1: And we are here with our very special guest, Alan Smithson, co-founder of the company Metaverse, whose mission is to enable creation in the Metaverse for everyone. Following from our Clubhouse session and our season one opener on the Metaverse, and one of what's likely to be many more discussions we'll have on the Metaverse going forward. Alan, welcome to the Retail Razor
0: Show. Thank you so much, Ricardo and Casey. Thanks for having me. This is so, so exciting. You know, we, uh, we got to meet in person before these things, which is super cool. You know, normally it's the other way around. You do all these podcasts and things, and then you finally meet somebody like, oh, yeah. So it's really great to see some familiar faces and, and dive into the, the Occam's razor of retail. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I'm so glad to see you, Alan. And having you here with us this morning, I'm just really excited to catch up and learn what's been uh, going on since the last time we saw each other. We're so not... Right. We're not casting from the the metaverse yet, but who knows this time next year, a seismic Actually, shift. You never know. This time types.
0: next week, we're going to be releasing some cool stuff. And uh, we built in full video chat capabilities into our project. So we'll get into that later. But yeah, the, the, we pushed some technology that will, will allow us to do this inside of virtual worlds.
2: Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Experiences on the internet are expected to be more immersive, three-dimensional and virtual. With the realization of Web3, I believe the metaverse will will play an integral role in product discovery and brand experiences. Some people are saying it's dead and now it's like coming back. Some people said it's, this is just natural traction. So, I mean, I think we're all here for the dips and we're all here for the highs.
0: <laughs> I really love the articles that say, you know, the metaverse is dead or, you know, these are the same articles that in 10 years from now. People will look back and go, "Oh, yeah, you—you're the guy who wrote The Internet is Dead' article. Good for you." You know, that really inspired a whole generation of people to build the internet. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: it, it's like the how many years ago when everybody was saying physical retail was dead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like the, the, it, you can say everything is dead. Look, it, when we invented TV, people said, "Oh, this is going to replace radio." Every car still has a radio in it. Yeah, that, like radio didn't go away. It just changed and morphed, and you know now we now we have Spotify. Okay, maybe radio is not the primary thing, but it never died. It you know TVs didn't go away when we got the internet. You know computers. We, got, didn't go we got mobile phones, and yeah. you know yeah, mobile phones aren't going away anytime. When we get VR and, and AR glasses, so that's right. You know adding new mediums does not necessarily mean that you the other one fades away and dies. You know it just becomes another medium. There's let's say ten years ago you had. I don't know, a billion people on the internet. Now we have four billion people on the internet. Like, you know, I, the, the time right now is is explosive growth. I mean, companies are raising hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, tens and then hundreds of millions of dollars for internet technologies and metaverse technologies and web three technologies. You know, this is just the money going in to invest to the yeah. future. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're in for a, a really, really interesting next. I guess, eight years now that we're almost kind of at the end of 2022, by the end of this decade, the, the world will look very different than it does today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. So, so, but so none Alan, of the things will be dead.
1: Nah, <laughs> nah, yeah. No, none, none of it. We'll just keep adding more and more, I think, as we're going to get into here, more right?
0: We on keep am, I'm all more. on
2: like <laughs> web like 6.0 already. Right?
0: <laughs> That's
1: right. right. That's right.
0: Aren't well, we all? Why don't we have... 6g i mean my 5g phone doesn't really do anything <laughs> for me i'm like it's 5G. i still have no signal what the heck
2: still a marketing you know,
0: i bought <laughs> a big yeah. phone that folds in half so that i can have all the things
1: <laughs> and you're still waiting and you're still waiting the still, waiting. Yeah. I still-
0: <laughs> but it's getting super fast the, the one thing that's hiding that most people are consuming the internet on a mobile phone now mobile phones and computers are the kind of dominant but yeah. mobile phones have kind of leapfrogged in places like africa they they just bypass computers altogether and just went straight to phone same with China, right and so the phone technology is just they with ten year olds oh. <laughs> 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 ten year olds and the chinese they they just bypass computers altogether right that's yeah, right the the world is mobile. using mobile phones to access the internet, and the mobile phones are getting so good. you know the iPhone fourteen came out yesterday. I mean these things are uh, super super computers now, I mean, yeah. If you, uh, one of the uh, people that I I really think highly of is a guy that runs this company called Otoy. They're a rendering engine. And I can't remember the guy's name, but they came up with this concept of the render token. This was way before the whole crypto craze. And they said, hey, what if we could tap into everybody's phone and computer and do batch rendering around the world? So let's say Disney has a project, right? And they, you know, they need 500 servers to, to run this, you know, scene of a Disney movie. Well, can't we then just push it out to a thousand phones, have everybody you know, use the GPUs that are bit, you know, kind of sitting idle for most of the time on your phone? Can we leverage that and then pay people for, for using this idle time on their phones? It didn't seem to take off because I think it was a bit early, but that ability to tap into the billions of smartphones and computers out there and the processing power that's sitting idle, I think is going to be a key part of the metaverse moving forward in, in kind of the long-term strategy. I mean, this is not... It's not an overnight thing nobody's really figured it out yet but if we can do that you think of how many computers around the world we could tap into for ai for modeling for protein folding for you know the good of mankind we can really use these these idle devices that are sitting idle for you know let's say most people their phones are only sitting idle while they sleep but you know it's <laughs> still four to eight hours of sleep depending on who you are casey who <laughs> only sleeps four hours a night right <laughs>
1: Alan, so diving into this space a little bit more, t- tell us a little more about what a Metaverse is, your company and sure. what you're doing and what, you're, and what that means for retailers and brands.
0: So we, we started a company called Metaverse back in 2016, spelled M-E-T-A-V-R-S-E, you know, for the VR idea. We built all sorts of projects in, in virtual augmented mixed reality and 3D. We've done over 160 projects now, but we've done everything from building retail locations, virtual stores, We've done uh, virtual showrooms for automotive. We have built a virtual training for, for medical, for consumer electronics. Uh, we did a lot of work for Samsung where we took their, uh, their new phone models, actually including this one, and then we animated them opening and you could turn it around and you know, look inside and all the stuff. We did a bunch of stuff for Samsung. We built virtual showrooms for MasterCard. But all of these things were actually built on our own engine. And so over the years, we actually were building and working on our own, what you would call a game engine or a creation platform. So similar to Unity and Unreal, we have our own base, you know, rendering technology that allows us to render directly to the internet, directly to a web browser on a mobile phone. And so one of the the claims to fame for us is that we have a low-code, easy to create platform that bypasses the app stores. We actually don't have to go through Apple or Google. We just hit publish; it goes to a browser and works on any device. So this is super powerful, and we really set up all in mind to build a platform that would let anybody participate and create in the metaverse. And so our mission is metaverse creation for everyone. And that's, you know, that's always kind of been our ethos. It used to be XR creation for everyone. And then the whole world moved to the word metaverse. So we're like, okay, well, I guess we should jump on the bandwagon, even though we started the bandwagon.
2: (laughs) What was XR?
0: Virtual augmented mixed reality or XR or extended reality. It's extended is like uh, you know, right, so mixed, All of plan. it combined all together. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. we were all in on XR. We did the XR for business podcast. We did the XR mm-hmm. for learning podcast. We did XR collaboration, which is a whole thing on you know collaboration platform. We really truly thought the whole world was going to XR. And then out of nowhere, Zuckerberg said, hey, we're going to be called meta and the whole world went to metaverse. And we're like, oh, well, it's a good thing we called our name that and applied for the trademark before then. <laughs> good thing.
2: What was that one moment where you're just because you've had some other businesses, you've had some worked in some other spaces. But what was that that moment? Was there a special aha moment or something where you're just yeah. like, I'm going to build like the next version of the world?
0: It was a combination of things, Casey. Honestly, it was we owned a DJ product company called Emulator, where it was a big glass see-through touchscreen that you could play on and you could perform, but the crowd could see what you're doing because it was a see-through piece of glass that you were DJing on. And we worked with, you know, Infected Mushroom and Morgan Page. And actually, just recently, a year ago, Jean-Michel Jarre did a huge New Year's Eve, virtual New Year's Eve party. It was huge. 7 million people attended. And he used our emulator on stage in the virtual world as well. Oh, very cool. Well, I mean, we built this piece of tech. We brought it to the world. We were working with big artists. And then we unfortunately brought on the wrong investor. And so we lost that company. But Mm. right before that happened, I got invited to perform at Curiosity Camp by Eric Schmidt. And Eric Schmidt is, you know, obviously the former CEO Mm -hmm. of Google. And he has this camp that everybody goes to called Curiosity Camp. And so you go there and it's like a camp in the middle of nowhere. I performed. It was kind of like a mini Burning Man for like 150 entrepreneurs, investors, and AI nerds, and a bunch of really smart people getting together just to have an unconference about what's coming in the world and, and, you know, new economic models and new technology models and these types of things. So I got to perform. And then after that, I tried VR for the first time in this tiny little tent. And I remember putting it on. It was like a giant brick putting on my head. It was the DK1, the Oculus. And this was in 2014. Put on these mm-hmm. giant headphones. And I sat there and they turned it on. And I remember sitting there going, oh, like having a gasp of, oh my God, this is amazing. And I remember staring and I was looking at a concert, but it was so visceral that I felt like I was at the concert. The sound yeah. sounded right. And, mm-hmm. and I just, sat I was like, wow. And I remember somebody taking their hand and putting them on my shoulder. And I was on a swivel chair and they turned me around like this. And I realized that I could look everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I could see the ceiling and the lights and the right. floor, And I just looked everywhere. And then they hit a button and put me on stage. Like I was up in the crowd and then I wow. was standing on stage next wow. to back, looking at the artists, hearing it from my ears, looking out of the crowd. I thought, oh my God. And as a DJ myself for 20 years, I had this kind of moment where I was like, holy crap, they just put me on stage in a place where nobody in the world gets to stand think about that and you know like only the artists and the band or the DJ and maybe his manager get to stand on stage nobody gets to see this and by tra- transporting me in VR I was there and I was like this is going to change everything everything and that's you know right after that we kind of lost the company the the DJ company yeah and I said well let's just get into this now and so in 2014 we started working in VR and we 3D printed our own cameras. We, we had the 360 cameras built out of GoPros. We did everything. We did 360 videos. We did AR apps. We did, we did a projection sandbox where you, you had connects. And you, if you dug the sand out, it actually projected different things like topography of the sand. Did a VR photo booth for Samsung, which is super cool. We use their camera. And you could take a picture with you and your friends and it would Photoshop you into space. So you'd jump out of the machine and you could look at yourself in space with your friends in VR. That's so great.
2: It, it, so like as soon as you got like that one exposure hit, it was, was just like it. that was it. We're going this way.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I I kind of had this thought that this is the future of human communication. This was like, okay, if I'm going to communicate with somebody from long distance and we can stand there and re- like put these glasses on and be in the same room, this is going to be the future of human communication. And that was my whole ethos. I've since expanded that because, you know, and even if you go on our website metaverse.com, we say that the metaverse engine is the future of human communication, collaboration, commerce, and culture. Because if you kind of take all of those four, that's really where we are right now. The metaverse is impacting these things. So, yes, we can communicate better. We can have a sense of presence. We can collaborate. You know, they, the new Bugatti was just designed in nine months rather than three years because they used VR to collaborate. You know, BMW has been using VR to collaborate. All the automotive companies are using it, not just to sell things but to create yeah, to build, to help them build faster. So, you know, collaboration is going to be a big part. And then commerce, obviously 3D retail, duh. I mean, you know, Shopify is already showing a 96% uptick in conversion rates when using 3D on a site versus just 2D images and videos. So we're going to go to 3D for sure. Everything in the world, every brand, every company in the world will all of their products and assets converted to 3D into 3d worlds and over the next you know by the end of the decade let's say and that's a challenge because you know how do you convert them do you take cad models and change them into 3d do you take photographs and try to use photogrammetry do you use the scanners that are coming in the phones now do you use ai just using photographs to convert to 3d so i think the biggest challenge over the next you know eight years or ten years to the end of the decade is this technology is showing massive upticks and and conversion rates and all of the things from training to marketing to retail to e-com all of these things are being impacted positively really positively but it's still hard to make them it's still hard to create the 3d worlds the 3d environments avatars clothing for avatars these types of things and so i think we're only just scratching the surface of what's possible but ai is going to fill in a lot of the blanks over the next decade it's great i recently wrote an article called the metaverse is the nexus of these three technologies and the article, it, it's kind of like you have to read halfway through the article before I talk about them because, you know, <laughs> what well, a little leading thing there. But the yeah. idea is that you have three technologies in addition to the internet we have today. So the internet today, we have the ability to have video and audio right. and record right. and all these things that we're doing now. But then you want to have depth. You want to be able to walk around a virtual world. So it has 3D or XR, or VR, right? So you have that 3D component we call XR. Then you've got AI, which is going to be, you know, natural language processing for yeah. Maybe you want to talk to a character, maybe you want to get help in a store. You can have conversations. Then computer vision. Maybe you want to see a product and you're like, what does that look like in my house? I hit a button, it changes the camera. Now I can see that couch in my house because the camera itself is using computer vision to understand my living room. Actually, IKEA came up with this really cool thing. You take a quick video of your house and it blocks stuff out. Like it'll take your, your existing couch out and put the new one in for you. You're like, whoa, this is crazy. So, wow. computer I control- love
2: AR for home guards. Yeah, like yeah absolutely. Furniture. I mean,
0: so you've got you know great. this 3D AR, and then you've got AI, which allow, you know kind of enables all that. And the new AI algorithms are allowing you to. We have one called InWorld, where you can talk to characters, and the other one that we're looking at right now is Anything World. And the idea is that you can use a text description, and it will build a 3D environment for you. you can say, I I need a room with four walls, five windows, a tree in the corner, and a couch over here. And it will build it for you. Now wow. it's very low poly, and it's it's not you know it's not perfect, but it's it's automatic. It's yeah, kind of well, like Mid Journey know, Midjourney and Dali yet. Yeah. I yeah.
2: love Journey. Yeah. I've been playing on there until like I ran out of time credit. So that I can play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I
0: was like out of credit.
2: Here's my I credit. Like, oh, like, I want to do it again. I was having so much fun with it, it's
0: and so- it. It and the licensing. So, like, why would I ever go to a stock photography site ever again? Yeah, because I right. okay, I need the other day. I said I needed a metaverse, whatever. I typed in whatever I, you know, description. They gave me a couple. I was like not happy. I did it again. I was like, oh, that one's nice. I upresed it, and now that's image for my article. Yeah, yeah. And it's I exactly mean, what I, you wanted.
2: I actually think that it's brilliant that if I could just go ahead and create one, and then it would create like five hundred versions.
0: Oh, I'm sure that's coming. I, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm
2: just like, okay, I like this, but like, don't give me one. Now I want like a set of four. Well, you know what? Just give me a set of 500.
0: Yep. You know, that's processing power at that point because images. So, you know, instead of four, it can generate 400. It's, this is the thing with AI that people don't understand. It's just raw processing power. That's why if we can tap into the phones around the world and, you know, use some of this idle processing power then you just have more power available to do it because right now it's kind of expensive, right? You, you put in a request through mid-journey, it goes up to their cloud. Somebody's got to pay for, a, a, you know, an actual computer to process that, create these four or five or 400 images for you and send them back. Anyway, the last technology that we didn't touch on, so XR AI and the last mm-hmm. one is blockchain. Hmm. You know, how do you have a decentralized ownership of assets? Uh, how do you have a record of maybe, you know, maybe you just want something simple like a record of your employment or your record of the things you took for training. Because right now, you go to university, you have a degree, right? That degree is held by, let's say, you know, let's just use Harvard, right? Harvard holds your degree. You now put on your on your LinkedIn, hey, I went to Harvard, it, you know, there. Now, does em- do employers go and verify that? Do they go to, to Harvard? Chances are they don't a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So maybe having a right. you know, verified way to not only take your degree, but all the mm-hmm. courses you took, maybe you... Took a course on Udemy or Udacity, or you, you did a side course. The side courses are really the skills that you're going to need because that's why people are taking them. That's why people are learning on YouTube because right now the world's moving faster than the universities, colleges, and uh, right. high schools. Yeah. yeah. And so the curriculums have to go through rigorous vetting. By the time they go through that, it's maybe two, three years. The technology's already passed and like already moved, moved on. on. Yeah. To the next level. We're yeah. kind of in the weird technology meets. The, you know, learning model. And actually I did a TED talk called the, the marriage of technology and education. And where I just said, look, we should be using all these technologies that are, that we're inventing, not only to train people on those technologies and how to use them, but use them for this, for, for learning. So we should be using AI algorithms to do this. And actually something I read yesterday, you know, the company Striver P-R-I-V-R, yeah. they do all the yeah. training in VR for Walmart. They've trained over a million people for Walmart. And one of the things they said in their early Stanford hit human interaction lab, the, the early study they did was a teacher, very simple study. They had a teacher and two students, and they were all represented as avatars in VR. Now, the teacher is looking at a student, right? So they have eye contact with the student. But imagine the avatar can look at both students equally. So even though the teacher may not be looking at either student, maybe he's looking down the middle, the avatar looks like it's looking right at you. And so you have this personal one-on-one connection, even though it's one to many. And so you imagine you have a, a class of a hundred people, everybody feels like you're looking directly at them. And this is super powerful.
2: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, you know, education versus application is definitely behind. I don't feel like we're we're really preparing kids for work or to understand what the career opportunities are because it's just so antiquated of, yeah you don't have to do that anymore. Like these are all the new jobs in that space under that topic that mm-hmm. literally nobody's talking about. So yeah. I think it's very interesting. I asked a, a nine-year-old before the pandemic, which I'm like, so what do you want to do like when you grow up, right? The 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 number one question. And she just like shrugged and pushed back on the pool and like went backwards a little bit. she's like, it doesn't really matter. It's not like they'll exi- They won't exist anymore by the time I need it. I just you know, bl- mind blown.
0: Wow. Yeah. So I think yeah. the key to this is asking a different <laughs> the different question. Is is this instead of what do you want to do when you grow up or what job do you want to get? Yeah. Because we don't know what the jobs are going to be. We don't. We're right. inventing them as we go. And something like I read a stat. Something like sixty percent of jobs over the next decade won't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. What are we training people for? We don't know. <laughs> we don't even know. Don't so even know. Tell me that.
1: We don't even know. That's why we need better tools, right, to be able to well, do the well, training.
0: That question, to add, in my opinion, is: What problem do you want to solve in the yeah. world? Yeah, and that's you a know, question. technology can be used. It doesn't matter if you have a problem you want to solve, like climate change. I want to solve. I, I want to stop sharks from being harvested for their fins. Okay, if you take that that singular view, <laughs> you can use all sorts of technologies to right. disrupt. Uh, supply chains to, you know, sink ships. You could do everything in your power to people from fishing for sharks, cutting the fins off and throwing them back. I mean, imagine just one person had a singular vision on that and used every piece of technology to disrupt that industry. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: It's like the the number one thing, right, the technology brings is agility to do these things quickly.
0: We're not teaching people that one, they have all the technology at the fingertips as long as you have access to the internet and a phone. Or a computer. Two, you can make a big difference as an individual. Yes. And three, we're not teaching people to set goals and look at long term horizons. So when Julie and I got into Metaverse, this was actually not our long term goal. Our long term goal is to build a new education system using this technology. But we're in year seven of a 30 year plan. I mean, we're literally, you know, we started in 2014, we're now in, you know, 2022, and we're going out to, you know, 20, I think it was 2048 or something was our kind of Goal. So imagine looking twenty years out as a student instead of saying, What do you want to what kind of job do you want to get? Well, yeah, I'll job, and then six months later, my employer will lay me off, and then I'll go through this thing. And once you get into the the rat race of having to pay rent, your opportunities to dream huge and solve world problems really diminishes quickly. Uh, because you just need to pay your bills, and I, I think this is one of the, the one of the things that we can do better as a society is is give people a bit of a safety net so they can ch- start to try to ch- to take on big problems in the world. But you have to tell them what the problems are and what mm-hmm. are some of the solution opportunities, and then say, "Here, dedicate your life to one solving this problem." And, yeah, and if you no,
2: I agree, and I think that that's a much better way of looking at it, and I think it's just going to be inevitable. Like, I will never ask that question again after I got that answer, because I too realized that like, it's a wrong question.
0: You know, ask me, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I, I have been in my life. I, I graduated with a d- degree in molecular biology. I was a pharmaceutical rep. I owned a medical billing company. We owned a hostel. We, we had a nutraceutical company. We had a DJ business. I was a DJ for 20 years. We had a technology company and now we own a game engine. Yeah. So who knows where life will take you? Right, yeah. But now we have a, a singular vision and, and mission to, to create a new education system for the world uh, using the technologies that we're talking about today. And we, we actually settled on retail as a model to focus on that because all the technologies we need for retail at the highest levels. So, you know, we're building a virtual mall, which is re- insane, but we're building the world's largest virtual mall and all the technologies in there are actually being built in mindfulness of what we're going to need for education. So the hundredth floor of the mall, each floor of the mall is a million square feet. So it's hundred floors tall. Right. Each floor is a million square feet. So hundred million square feet of virtual space to build retail and experiences and entertainment and all these things. But the hundredth floor is actually owned by the Unlimited Awesome Academy, which is Julie and I's trust to build this new education platform. So the hundredth floor of the mall will benefit from the entire mall. Hmm. The That's 20th great. floor wow. of the mall is an education floor. So we have, you know, floor one to 20 is owned by the mall and leased to brands. So we've got a luxury floor, automotive floor, consumer electronics, all these things. But floor 20 is actually reserved for education. So we're going to put education systems in there and let them have the, the floor. There's no charge for that. So we really do have this kind of long-term vision of how we can leverage the, the retail world uh, for the technology because we're, we're working with our partners to build insane amounts of technology, like crazy stuff. We can, we built a technology recently called infinite LOD or infinite level of detail that allows us to have an infinite virtual world, meaning the mall's one building, when you leave the mall, it's vast. I mean, you could build anything you want in as far as you see, and it could be out in space, like we designed it so that it doesn't, it loads on any phone fast and you can load and go anywhere in the world and walk around and it's just vast, right? So that technology, I think. Is going to revolutionize how we uh, build these things because now what it typically happens is you build a scene and the scene is a fixed map like you know the is a fixed map sandbox is a fixed map right and then what you do is as you walk around the map it's kind of loading different parts of the map well we don't have a fixed map we have the fixed mall but then the map is completely open to the world and what they want to build and so this is kind of our way of saying okay what does an open and unlimited metaverse mm-hmm. look like you know, and because that's really what people want—they want a persistent world that is never ending. It's kind of like Second Life, but you know, at a much, much larger scale. scale. Buildable yeah. Buildable. and then Second Life is still successful. They still have a, probably a million people a year on Second Life. Doesn't work on mobile. Hmm. The Central Land doesn't work on mobile. Sandbox right. doesn't work on mobile. Roblox barely works on mobile. So, you know, having the ability to onboard billions of mobile phones into yeah. the metaverse is going to be the key. And then, of course, we'll move to glasses over the next decade as well. And you know, you're seeing Oculus moved over to Meta now. Meta is introducing a new a new headset, so yeah. we're going to see um, yeah. fast improvements of this. And then I would I venture to say Apple makes their entrance into this space probably in the next year. Yeah, even like, yes. <laughs> would my guess. We've expect, been waiting yeah. for years, and there's been lots of rumors over the years. I remember somebody in 2014 saying Apple's going to come out with VR glasses this year, and I was like, well, I don't know about that. Yeah, now, here yeah. we are seven years later. Yeah. It's still, so so Alan, let me ask you more about the mall.
1: I'm, I'm curious when you talk to retailers and brands about the floors in the mall that you've got set aside for them. What what's what's your pitch to them? What what's the selling point for the retailer? To is it, for example, because you would run on mobile, where so many of these other platforms either barely do or, or, or don't? What what's the big selling point for the retail and the brand to to be in the mall?
0: Sure, I think it's it's p- being part of something bigger. First of all, you know you look at. Brands are jumping into Decentraland because it's it's there and it works and it's bigger, right? It's it's a bigger community and there's going to be more chance of eyeballs falling on it. Problem is there's just not a lot of users there because the graphic fidelity is meh. And there's a lot of barriers to entry. If you want to buy something physical, you cannot. If you want to use your credit card to buy something digital, you cannot. You have to buy with Mana, which is their in-world currency. So we took a lot of the ideas from what these other platforms were doing. We said, okay, well, how do we specifically make that for retail. And really it was less about what we thought. And we've just had a lot of meetings with a lot of brands in mean, the hundreds. And so when we, when we show them the mall, when we walk around, when we show them stores, when they say, oh, well, can it do this? Can it connect to our backend order management system? Yes, it can, because we use JavaScript. Can it, can we connect our loyalty program? Yes, absolutely. We have a, a backend system. And so it's just a really, a combination of us having this idea for a mall because we were building virtual showrooms for all different brands. And they were saying, oh, I want a video chat on this one. And this one would say, I want to dress the avatars and I, w- I want something over here. And so all these different disparate virtual showrooms that we we're building, we built one for Mastercard, we built one for, for Samsung, we built all these things. And they were all asking for the same thing in different ways. So we said, what if we built in a persistent mall so that if, if we build a new piece of tech for one, one person, one brand, it now everybody in the mall has it. So you have this central part. Now, Brands can start driving people into their store. So the mall.io slash brand, it drops you right into the brand store. You can walk around, you get the full brand experience, but you can walk out the door as well. So we've been meeting with, uh, with hundreds of brands and the brands that, that have interest in the mall, they want to get into the metaverse. And now here, here's the thing is it's a big cluster. You know, everybody's like, oh, talking about the metaverse, the buzzword of the year. You know, do I make NFTs? Do I not? NFTs are kind of got like a you know, negative connotation now that they've lost half their value. So it's like, you know, do we build our own virtual store? Do we go into the central end? Do we build something over here? Do we go into Roblox? And, you know, the question or the answer is probably you got to try all of the things, right? And so, you know, what we recommend is, look, take a budget, you know, whatever it is, 50 grand, 100 grand, 200 grand, whatever your budget is that's discretionary, you know, don't invest too much in this right now because nobody knows what's going to work and whatnot. So we have like a 50 grand entrance package. You get lease, you get, you know, kind of all the things included. We build everything out for you. We have a full studio. And so the idea was, how do we just get rid of all of the barriers to entry for a brand and then just get them into the mall? Because it's it's all new for all of us, right? There, you know, people are saying, ah, how are you going to get traffic in the mall? Well, you know, of course, we're the mall. We have to get traffic in there. But we're coordinating that effort with the brands, with the brands that we're working with, because... Really, we don't have the brand gravitas of a, you know, of a, of a large shoe company or a, a large electronics manufacturer. You guys have, they have hundreds of thousands or millions of consumers and you are working with a candy company. They're going to put QR codes on the candy. So that's going to drive people directly into their store in the mall and they have multiple stores in the mall. So it's, it's really intriguing how we've kind of realized that the marketing and getting people into the mall is, is less our responsibility is more of the brands. But where our responsibility is to have the right brands there and encourage them to build cool stuff, because it's really less about, you know, a store and it's more about an experience. And so, you know, one thing that I think the mall replaces, or or at least adjuncts is that, or not replaces, but adjuncts is that. Amazon and Walmart are the two <coughs> largest retail stores on earth, digitally, right? Amazon.com and Walmart.com. But you wouldn't invite your friends to go shopping on Amazon.com. You'd be like, hey, we're going to have a shopping date on go on Amazon see what I'm yeah, ordering in my cart. Yeah. No, it, it's taken the yeah, fun don't out of the shopping see that happen out. too yeah. often. It, it's taken the fun out. It's, it's just <laughs> ruthless procurement of goods. Casey, right, you want to right, go yeah. Amazon shopping? Yep. It's buying versus shopping. It is Procurement of goods versus shopping and shopping should be fun. There is a reason why malls became the cultural center of communities and we want to do the same thing. So our, our mall is multiplayer. You can invite friends, you can go walk around. It's super fun actually. And we're putting little mini games in there. There's daily games that change every day. So you can win prizes, just super cool stuff. So that's
2: awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that big, that big benefit at the end of the day of participating, it may not necessarily be a conversion rate. Because that's yep. not necessarily the goal right now. Right. What yeah. would you say is that ROI? Because I don't feel that it's going to be money, like sales revenue, but I might be wrong. Like today, if somebody wanted to go and have their first metaverse experience with you, what is that main transformation or moment that you expect that that brand is going to be mentioning in the meeting to? do 100,000 or 800,000 next season.
0: I think you nailed it. This is really up to the brands to build some cool stuff. And and look, right now, we made the mall look like, like a mall. It's got stores. You can walk around. It doesn't need to look like a mall. It could be a, a field. It could be a space. It could be anything, right? So when you walk in your store, yes, it looks like a store from the outside. And then when you walk in through the barrier of the door, it changes and loads a new project. And the new project is like, oh, now I'm in a you know, basketball court or now I'm like, Sitting courtside watching, uh, you know, nicks and Nets, right? So it's one of those things that right now there's a, a term called skeuomorphism, meaning we kind of tend to take what is already existing and build things like that. So we took right. yeah. mm-hmm. a mall, it looks like a mall, we put it into digital format. So it feels and looks like a mall, like you're walking around. And you don't, it just feels right. It just looks like a mall. Okay, like, hey, great. I get it. I understand it. This really understand it, but that doesn't mean. We can't push the absolute limits on the other end. But what we need to do, when we need to do this for everybody, is make people feel comfortable in these virtual spaces. In, in skeuomorphism or bringing kind of the traditional world into the virtual world, for now seems to be the right path. We've done some crazy, crazy stuff on the on the you know way out there NFT galleries and stuff. And it doesn't really resonate with people. They don't know how to navigate it. They they don't understand it. They're, there's a bit of a mix mix mash. So I think it's really going to be up to the brands to build cool experiences that engage with their customers, that really drive brand awareness. You look at Samsung's 837 store in New York, I think it's a prime example. And even Nike store in New York City. I mean, yes, they sell shoes, but it's really about the experience of experiencing the brand. You go into Nike store and the whole first floor is the history of Nike. You can look at the old shoes. Like, it's just really, really cool. Yes, you can buy some shoes on you know one of the other floors, but it's not about that. It's about the experience of, oh my god, I was in New York and I went to this crazy store, and it it made me realize how how much research has gone into the Nike shoes, and they like you can really build these experiences. And Samsung Eight Three Seven in New York as well. You go in there, you can't buy anything. You can literally just yeah. you can look at the fridges, you can look at the kitchens, right. you can look at the, shirt, the mobile homes, you can. There's all these really cool experiences. There's lots of places to take selfies, which is fun. And, you know, mm-hmm. people's new selfie flex is going to be, hey, I'm going to dress up my avatar and, and uh, drip in and your and and take a picture. But uh, I think people's online personas are going to start being more important than their in-person personas. We're already seeing that. I mean, like... You know, people in virtual worlds are spending bill- billions on skins. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Fortnite skins. Yeah. I mean, I think Fortnite did like $9 billion last year. Something mm. like that. It's it, crazy. Insane number. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So, Alan, let me ask you this. What, what would be your top advice right now for, for, let's say, for this over this next year for retailers, DTC brands, I mean, even retail tech businesses who are all looking at the metaverse and kind of thinking okay how do I get in what what, what are my first steps what do I do to get started
0: sure find a, a decent partner who understands retail who's done with this there's you know there's a company called Max Maxent they do a great work on kind of you know for furniture companies a bunch mm, of retailers yeah. Maxent Maxent yeah they yeah. they do a great job converting things to 3D you're going to have to have teams that understand 3D and 3D is not hmm. easy. It's not as easy as creating a JPEG or a video. It's quite complicated. There's, you know, you have a 3D model, then you've got layers and layers of, of images that go on top of that to make it look realistic. You've got a bumpy one that makes it look bumpy. You've got texture files, all these things. It's not, it's not really that easy a technology now. It's getting easier and we're getting there. But I think by starting now and starting small, taking a, you know, let's say 50,000 to a $500,000 budget building something and then starting to have your teams internally understand how the sausage is made. How do we go from an idea or a concept or some photographs of a store to a fully 3D environment with avatars, with products in there and everything and click to buy everything. And so one of the reasons we did the mall is because we've done this a bunch of times for individual clients and it, it ended up becoming kind of rinse and repeat, right? We're like, okay, well, this, this client wants, and now we can build a virtual showroom in, oh man, the last one we built, we took three days and it's was beautiful uh, just because we're getting really good at that. So I think the first thing is mm-hmm. understand, learn a bit. So there's lots and lots of, <laughs> I don't know how many guides to the metaverse there are, but there's probably at least a hundred that I know of. So go read some of those, you know, have somebody in your team, dedicate somebody in your team to be the, the head of metaverse, you know, and it's not just about, you know, 3D and that sort of thing, but you have to understand the crypto world as well. People are going to start buying in cryptocurrencies. What does that mean for you? How do you how do you get paid in cryptocurrency and convert that to fiat? Because brands don't have accounting systems that, that can take into account crypto, right? So we have a, a partner named BitPay. So anybody can pay in any crypto they want using 95 different wallets. It automatically it takes their money, converts to USD or at the end of the day, and then settles with the brand at the end of the day. So okay. You, okay. the brands get settled in USD and, and the client doesn't know any, any difference in between. And it's actually cheaper. So a Stripe is like 3% for, you know, paying with credit cards or whatever. With fiat. And BitPay is only 1%. Because, and there's no chargebacks because once a crypto payment's paid, it's there's, you can't reverse it. So I think there's going to be a, a combination of onboarding customers or guests, we call them guests in the mall, onboarding guests into the crypto world slowly, but allowing them to pay in anything they want. You know, the credit card, PayPal, Amazon Pay, you know, it doesn't matter. We will, We will take any form of payment for physical and or digital goods in fiat and or cryptocurrency. And so from a brand standpoint, something like the mall kind of gives you a boost because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. If you're going into decentralized and again, there's a platform already there. There's people there. Roblox is great. If let's say for example you're a brand and your your target customer is 25 to 30. Well your next target customer is, you know, 15 to 25, right? Like that block right, right. So yeah. If they're playing Roblox and then I think something like 62% of Roblox players are under the age of 16. So if that's your next target demographic, like Gucci wants to be in the next, you know, they want to be generationally relevant. So if you're a brand that wants to be generationally relevant and be put in front of millions of people, go on Roblox, you know, that that's a great starting point there. But it's, it's hard to get people's attention in there too. You've got something like 10 million games on Roblox or something, or 4 million <laughs> it's games something on crazy Roblox. crazy insane, yeah. And then with the mall, it is a dedicated, retail experience that people are going there for that they know what they're getting and there's there's going to be a lot of malls digital malls metaverse malls and these sorts of things but i don't think a lot of the startups that get into this realize the true depths of what's required i mean we spent seven years building a game engine for enterprise so when when a client says what are your security protocols we we have a SOC two compliance and SOC two is not an easy thing to do it's you know it's eight months yeah. of so they basically Take everybody in your team, rip apart their computers and, you know, digitally, <laughs> inside, make sure you don't have anything hidden. You right. got go to yep. all these security yeah. protocols. So now that when we go to our clients, we say we're of SOC 2, we also have Kronos compliance. So Kronos is the 3D standard so that if you have a 3D model that you use on walmart.com, you can just pick it up and drop it and into the in. mall and it will look the exact same. This is important. So your product is not going to look real in Roblox. It's will look like it's made out okay. of Lego. Right. You're getting, same thing with sandbox. Same with the, the Central, and They use a technology called voxels, so it's very gamey looking. Like like it's made of like it's, it's very different of a
2: standard of visual aesthetic that yeah. a lot the higher in the brand, the less familiar that feels. And it's but it's being adopted, and it's you don't have to be photorealistic realistic all the time.
0: Yeah, You can have fun so, with And that's what I tell brands, look, yeah. you can use Unreal Engine for your commercials, your, your Hollywood movies, you know, the, the high, super high end. Maybe you want to build a film, a car, you know, driving through things. You can use the Unreal Engine for that. Then you can take the same asset, down res it, put it into Metaverse engine. And now you can use it on the web, on, on the mall, right? You can use that same thing. Right. Now it's interactive. You can drive it. You can, you know, on a mobile phone, then you can take that same thing, pixelize it and throw it into, into Land or Inbox or, or Roblox or Minecraft. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you're using one asset to create several experiences and brands are going to start doing this. I mean, it's just very few brands are doing it now, but I predict that you're not going to be in one metaverse. You're going to be in a bunch of different things, try different things. Yeah. And some will be successful. Some will not try things on your own website as well. I mean, mm-hmm. our system, when you build a store in the mall, you can actually build a hit copy paste, make a separate one and put it on your website as well. Now it'll link over to the mall but it can reside mm-hmm. on your, your brand.com website. We, we've taken out as many barriers to entry for brands as possible from, from our standpoint because yeah. we just, we've just we done so many meetings and it's been, I mean, our FAQ page is 50 questions long now for them all.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to wrap your brain around it. At least once you make the decision, let me just take you right to it.
0: <laughs> Let's just get it done, shall we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be That's like a One year thing. Oh my God, we're going to build this thing in a year. Like what? <laughs> no, man. If you can't build it in, the uh, you know, eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. You'll be too late. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. You might be too late. <laughs> it's a crazy world we live in. It's moving so fast. That's why one of our benefits of the engine is that it's low code. We can build these things in, in hours, you know, like building the whole yeah. thing from scratch takes three days. You imagine how long that hmm. used to take? Six months ago, that probably took three weeks. Yeah, there, yeah, there's definitely
1: a, a magic to, to low code for sure to really speed things up. Yep.
2: What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you and follow the journey?
0: Sure. I, I there's a couple ways. Metaverse Engine, which is, you know, the creation platform that is powering the the mall. You can go to metaverse.com, M E T A V R S E.com. The mall is simply themall.io. You can go sign up there and it can sign up now for the mall. Whether you're a brand or a guest or an investor, it'll ask you you a drop down for that. You'll get put into an email funnel. So you'll have if you sign up now, you'll have all early access to everything. So for example, we're launching a new website for the mall. And that new website is fully built as a 3D world. So you scroll down the mall and you actually walk in and you end up inside of 3D website and walking around. It's not the mall, it's (laughs) the website for the mall. Hmm. And we used our end to build a revolutionary new website. So Go to mall.io, themall.io. And then you can just add me on LinkedIn. I can't add anybody from that, but you can follow me on LinkedIn because I hit the limit of LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) This is my name, Alan Smithson, and you'll see fireworks above my head. I, I took a picture at the Formula One and that's my profile pic now.
1: Oh, oh, nice! Okay, that's like this Very is cool. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> well, I, I I know I have really learned a lot today, Alan. Thank thank you for that. I'm sure all of our listeners and, and viewers did too. Casey, because you're already a, a metaverse and, and Web three advocate, so I'm sure a lot of this was old news for you after your uh, debut event, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, we just had our second successful brand activation with Lux Lock on the 12th for New York Fashion Week. So, with five mm-hmm. brands, everyone is enjoying. The experiences and looking forward to the future of commerce. Like the brands are excited, the con- consumers are excited. Making these early experiences is just critical into understanding like what these channels could potentially mean to your company. Just s- do something Good start. and <laughs> see what happens.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> see happening. what your customers and look, like. And look, uh, one other thing that I I didn't really mention is set some KPIs. What, what is it you want to get out of it? Because a lot of times, you know, for the last five years or six years, we've been building all sorts of marketing things and they never really set KPIs. They're just like, hey, let's do this cool thing over there. And you're like, yeah, I'll take your money and we'll do it. Yeah. No, there's no measurement of success. So then you don't get a subsequent budget. And, and marketing teams, are, they, they sometimes do this a lot. You know, they'll, they'll do things without measuring it and that's fine. And maybe they want the media hits or whatever it is, but you have to have some metrics of success. Is it conversions? Is it time spent on platform? Is it, is it the number of visitors? What it, is the metric that you're measuring for success? Because then you can measure that, we can make changes. You can change completely everything or just some things and you can get to the successful metrics. If you're not measuring it, there's no point. So that's why actually one of the things in our mall is complete analytics dashboard with, with everything from time spent on, how much time somebody spent on a product looking at it. Did they invite a friend? Did they convert from there you know these things are all really important and so we built built this cool dashboard so that you can kind of look at your store and and see a heat map of where people walk because if somebody walks in your store and they all go right and you want them to go left well you can put a little display there they
2: always always go right do they yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Excellent. I mean, Excellent. Yeah, you got to know why. You got to know why. feel right. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, you know what? The heat map data will tell us where people go. Exactly. Exactly. Safety. And once we have this data in the mall, we'll be able to tell. You know, okay, fifty-seven percent of people went that way. Thirty-seven yeah. went that way. Yeah, they can keep adjusting. That's right. I mean, that's
1: kind of the whole <laughs> point. Is you want to keep adjusting and adapting to what,
0: what's going to work. Yeah, you could put a plant there to make them sure they go around it. The other way, just <laughs> make them go this around. Is <laughs> you can re merchandise your store for every day if you wanted to. You could yeah. be like, hey, today we're going to do, you know, I don't know, it's October. So we're going to do a Halloween theme. And for the month of October, it's Halloween theme. And then, right. you know, as soon as November 1 hits, you just hit publish to the next one. And now you're a Christmas theme. Right. So rebranding doesn't take, okay, we got to build a store. Then we got to ship out all the pieces to all the stores around the world. And then you got to re merchandise it. Right. And then we got to take photos yeah. to make sure that you did it right. No, it's like can a store for potentially
1: billions of people. Yeah, that's a, that's incredible. That's an amazing approach. Love yeah. it. Well, Alan, thank you so much for for joining us today. You're you're truly, I think, transforming retail, and including metaverses, is, is more than meets the eye. In doing so. And I'm sure we're going to be asking you to come back on to give us an update on how the mall is going in the future. We'd be honored,
0: guys. Honored.
2: Always an absolute pleasure to, to listen to you and to chat with you. I just love to hear how your world is progressing. I'm still so web two.
0: So, <laughs> web five. Uh, yeah. In my
2: day to day.
0: We're on the 2 spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank but you guys Thanks so again,
2: Alan. I hope to have you back soon.
0: Awesome, guys. Have a great one. Thanks.
2: We hope you enjoyed our show, and we can't ask you enough to please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help us grow and bring you more great episodes. If you don't want to miss a minute of what's next, be sure to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to check out our show notes for handy links and more deeds. I'm your host, Casey Gold.
1: And if you'd like to learn more about the two of us, follow us on Twitter at KCC Golden and Ricardo underscore Belmar, or find us on LinkedIn. Be sure to follow the show on LinkedIn and Twitter at RetailRazor, plus our YouTube channel for videos of each episode and bonus content. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar.
2: Thanks for joining us.
1: And remember, there's never been a better time to be in retail if you cut through the clutter. Until next time, this is The Retail Razor Show.